Welcome back, guys, to another episode from TikToks, where me and the leading expert, Tim Finch, talk to you everything about the FX market and the financial markets. How are you doing today, Tim? Yes, I'm good. How are you? I'm brilliant. Thank you. So let's talk more about the week after the interest rates rise. Has this made things clearer for the markets? If you remember, last week was the big week where they had the Fed meeting where they raised rates on the 1st of February by 0.25%. On Thursday, the Bank of England put their rates up by 50 basis points. That took the rates to 4%. On Thursday, the ECB raised their rates by 50 basis points, which takes their rates up to 2.5%. And then the big shocker on Friday the 3rd was the US unemployment number. If you remember, it came out as a huge 517,000 versus the expectations of just 189. But through all this, the Fed kind of remained calm, right? So that was setting up for this next week. Right. And meanwhile, the battle of the TP pundits on equities, what happened this week? We've been talking about it for the last four or five weeks. Yeah, we still got our two groups. Remember, don't fight the Fed, which is the group that thinks that interest rates will stay higher for longer because that's what Chair Powell's always saying. That would normally put pressure on the equity markets. And so they think we haven't seen the bottom yet and the dollar should get stronger. But the winner for the last five weeks has been the FOMO group, the fear of missing out group. These are the people that think interest rates have peaked, inflation has peaked, the central banks might actually need to cut rates soon. So we've seen the bottom in equity markets. Now, the TV commentators are, are talking about the rally that we've had this January in equities. Been a tremendous rally, you know, stocks like Tesla, Apple have all recovered. And so they're asking, do we trust this rally? Do we think there's some disconnect between the markets and what the Fed is saying? So this is kind of leading to increased debate about, you know, will interest rates be cut? But what if they keep them higher for longer? So it's causing confusion. I mean, the equity markets could top out again. They've had a tremendous rally that's happened very quickly. It's almost an irrational rally. So People are asking, is a recession coming? The bond markets say yes. I mean, there was an interesting statistic I saw that in Google, there was a huge spike in searches for cancel my golf membership. So somebody was saying this shows that even rich people are cutting costs if they're having to cut out the golf membership, right? So all this led to a speech on Tuesday, which was the big event of, of last week. The Fed chairman, Chair Powell, coming out after that strong employment number. And what would he say? Everyone was expecting hawkish comments because of the sign of it, the size of the, the unemployment number. But his comments were kind of finally interpreted as more dovish. He said the disinflation process has started. So, of course, FOMO Group then started to buy stocks. The next day, some of the other Fed commentators went the other way. They went more hawkish. So this week... Do we have a winner? I would say it's a draw between FOMO, who are the winner at the start of the week, and Don't Fight the Fed, which kind of came in after Wednesday when the other guys started uh, talking, the other Fed governors started talking and uh, clarifying the chairman's results. So overall, a confused week for, for equities, really. You know, they didn't know whether to buy it up for more from here or sell it off again, really. So ended up a draw. <laughs> That's the first time this actually happened, a draw. Um, and I just want to touch on something you've just mentioned about rich people cutting off the go their golf memberships, right? And I just want to 
explain something to people who are watching us right now. We provide solutions for investors in the financial market to trade hands-free under a very low risk management approach. If you haven't got the time or the experience, everything would be taken care of from A to Z under a very low risk management approach. What we provide here is an alternative to the low interest rates provided by the banks, a solution for people to fight inflation and the consistent um, rising cost of living. So keep in mind. All right, let's talk about crypto for the crypto lovers out there. Yeah, we've got uh, two things happening in crypto. So good news and bad news. On the technical analysis side, some uh, chartists have been looking at a formation called a golden cross. Now, this is where the 50-day moving average price overtakes the 200-day average. So short-term price is moving above the long-term average. So that's always a sign that there could be more gains ahead. And the token has you know, rebounded 40% this year. Data from Bloomberg shows that over the past five years, Bitcoin rose on average 22% in the 60 days after a golden cross. So this is a very important uh, chart pattern, which a lot of people look at and is bullish for Bitcoin. Um, in other news, Dubai moved up to number two in the League of Crypto Hub Cities, just behind London, where I live, but ahead of New York. Um, for those of you out there, Kuwait is 16th on the list and Tehran is 17th on the list. So wow. interesting to see that grading, that League of Crypto Hub Cities. But Dubai moving up strongly to number two. On the bad news side, um, the Binance banking partner decided to stop doing transfers in US dollars. That was a slight negative. And Kraken, the exchange, was hit with a $30 million fine from the SEC, the regulator in the US. And they had to give up doing crypto staking for retail clients in the US, but they can still offer it in the rest of the world. So overall, crypto is kind of reconnected. It's correlated with the equity markets again. So there was some slight negative price action at the end of the week, even though we had the Golden Cross. doesn't mean to say that we're not going up further from here, but it's kind of connected to what the equity markets are doing again. Brilliant. And let's talk about GBP, USD and Euro GBP. Yeah, so last Sunday, Liz Truss, our former shortest ever prime minister, tried to make a comeback on TV and to push her growth policies. In fact, they didn't let her onto the uh, Sunday politics TV shows. I'm sure that Rishi uh, put the blocker on that because in the end, she had to publish a piece in the Telegraph newspaper. But her piece had no apology for all the damage she caused to markets, right? It was all somebody else's fault in her, her newspaper article. So to counteract that, they sent out the Lloyd's insurance market chairman and he he highlighted the fact that the UK needs to provide a stable background to keep London's reputation as a financial centre. If you remember, Lloyd's is the largest insurance market in the world. It's one of the leading financial institutions in the city of London. So it ensures risks from all over the world, from cars to telegraph poles to life assurance. So it's very sensitive to the UK's reputation. So this uh, chairman, Mr Neil, said, our reputation in the UK for economic stability had suffered in September when Liz Truss and uh, Chancellor Kwasi Kamikaze Kwarteng announced their £45 billion of unfunded tax cuts. So 
apparently we narrowly avoided recession in December 2022. But overall, Rishi's trying to move on from all these old ministers and from the Boris era bad behaviour and from Liz Truss. The opposition Labour Party actually won a by-election this week, taking the seat from the Conservatives. Now, Rishi's still trying to deal with the strikes. His tactic seems to be for to wait for headline inflation to come down. And then if somebody's demanding a high wage demand, that would look out of place. So this week, the firefighters suspended their action, their strike action, when they got offered a 7% pay deal to consider. They were pushing for 10 to 12, but they stopped their strike and they will consider a 7% pay deal. So is this the first sign of the golden years of Rishi beginning? Has he actually done something good? And this this the turning point for Rishi. Let's let's keep an eye on this. Uh, Rishi, speaking of Rishi, he had an interview with Piers Morgan the other day, last week, I believe. Do you think he did good? Yeah. So Rishi's getting more comfortable on TV, and of course, everybody wants to interview him. He's been in office now for just over a hundred days, so everybody wants to catch up with him and see what's happening. You know, he's managed to uh, stabilise the situation in the Conservative Party to some degree. So he really didn't want Liz Truss coming back into the picture. He doesn't want to see Boris Johnson out there. These are former prime ministers. They should really go into the House of Commons and sit down and shut up. He doesn't want their opinion. He's, he's leading the country now. All right, let's talk about what to watch for next week. Yeah, so we've got a big week coming up this week. Um, watch out for oil. Russia announced that it's going to cut production by half a million barrels a day. Now, if you remember, the G10 nations put sanctions on Russia to stop them funding the war with Ukraine by effectively putting a cap on the price of Russian oil at $60. So by limiting the amount of ships that could be insured to transport oil, they wanted to slow down sales of oil by Russia. And if this production is cut by half a million barrels a day, the oil price could generally go up in the medium term, especially if China recovers, because generally oil inventories are low. We've been using up oil during the winter in Europe and uh, in other colder countries, and the Ukraine war is still continuing. So this could add to inflation again if the oil price goes up. Do you think they've got the resources to take them further? Oh, it's already cost them so much in terms of finance, you know, it's going to be spring in Ukraine eventually. That'll be around March, April time. There wasn't really much that either side could do during the winter. They've just kind of lasted it out. They've been firing missiles at each other. Uh, President Zelensky came to UK and Europe last week and asked for fighter jets because Russia still controls the airspace over Ukraine. Uh, you know, Ukraine has limited air force and it wants more military hardware from the West. I think if countries were to give jets, that would suck those countries into the conflict. So you see the politicians like Rishi Sunak and Joe Biden talking about, you know, everything is on the table, but not agreeing outright to give jets and, uh, and other fighter aircraft to Ukraine yet. So, you know, once the spring comes, we'll see what Russia's going to do next. You know, they tried to bombard Ukraine for the whole of the winter, knock out all the electricity. Ukrainians keep repairing it. They're still, you know, living underground there, still very strong. And Zelensky looks, you know, very strong leader and uh, coping pretty well with everything that's happening.
Yeah, he looks like he's handled it so well so far, considering his background. But do you think if this war carries on till next year or the year after, do you think countries have what it takes to still support Ukraine? Like we've seen the UK been supporting Ukraine, trying to, you know, massively, Germany, the US. I think the West can't afford Ukraine to lose. And President Putin, for his own credibility, also can't afford to lose. So it's, as you say, who's got the most resources to throw at this? You know, they've done a huge recruitment drive in Russia. They're sending younger and younger people into the army to, you know, increase the size of the army that's fighting in Ukraine. They've got mercenaries fighting there. You know, so far, China has kind of stayed out of it. They don't approve or disapprove of what Russia's doing because Russia is a big ally for China. Um, you know, you've seen Iran supplying uh, drones. It's it's going to be a war of resources, but nothing can really happen different or, or in a way more complicated until we have the spring there, the weather increases, you know, the ground will get very muddy there. That holds back vehicles and tanks. So it's going to be complicated. It's going to be a war of attrition still. And Ukraine are not going to give in. They won't give up their homeland. They want Crimea back. They want everything back from Russia. So it's going to go on, I think. Yeah. Uh, speaking of China, let's talk about USD Chen a little bit. Yeah, there's a couple of negatives for China. If you remember, the USA caught and eventually shot down a surveillance balloon, which was flying at 60,000 feet over US soil. The US government said it was spying. The Chinese government said, calm down, it's a weather balloon. So if you remember, USA was supposed to do bilateral talks with China that weekend, they canceled those talks, shot down the balloon and retrieved it from the ocean. So they're no doubt looking at the cameras or whatever was in there to see, was it weather balloon or were they recording pictures of America? Then yesterday, a second balloon was shot down over Alaska. Um, USA said it was a risk to commercial flights, so they had to shoot it down. So in currency markets, that led to dollar CNH going up. It rallied to 6.82, 6.83. There seems to be uh, resistance at those levels. Um, on the positive side for China, the open interest in this pair, dollar CNH, which is the offshore RMB, in the Singapore Future Exchange called SGX, the number of contracts, the open interest is rising because people are selling dollars and buying CNH, RMB, because of the China reopening trade. I mean, if the dollar starts to fall in general in the markets, then you can look for this pair to fall back to 6.70, which is where it was two weeks ago before the balloon shooting happened. <laughs> this balloon shooting story is actually funny. <laughs> Let's talk about USD yen. Yeah, very complicated picture now. Obviously, after the unemployment numbers, it went, the dollar went back up. It went above 131.50, where it sort of met some resistance. There still seems to be resistance at 132.50. And we did see some possible central bank intervention selling dollars on Friday during Japanese time. Um, the new Bank of, Eng bank of Japan governor is only coming in April. So the market knows that there's probably no more interest rate rises until he's in place. So this leads to kind of range-bound trading where it's a battle. The market buys dollar and it goes up. The BOJ sells dollar and it goes back down again. So overall, between a range of 129 to 132 and a half, 
until something else happens to move the dollar or to change things in Japan, which we know probably won't happen till April. Yeah, it's a very interesting story. Let's talk about housing for the real estate lovers out there. Yeah, this is a tricky one. I mean, normally interest rates, when they go higher, start to push house prices down. If there's a recession, you know, people can't afford to buy houses because the interest rate and the mortgage payments that they've got to make every month are going to be increased. We're starting to see that in the UK and the US. Uh, JP Morgan, the huge global bank, has started to lay off some of its mortgage advisor staff. That tells you that they think they're not going to be selling as many mortgages. So maybe the turn has come now and we'll see house prices lower in the months to come. Yeah. And let's talk about the Super Bowl this weekend. Yeah, it's Super Bowl weekend. The Kansas City Chiefs are playing the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a massive game. Um, over $16 billion will be bet on the outcome of this game this weekend. If you remember, there's huge competition to have a commercial during the uh, Super Bowl. It costs $6.8 billion for just a 30-second commercial. And this year, the halftime show is by Rihanna. How much is she going to get paid? Actually, Nothing. The league's policy, the NFL, covers all the costs of the production of the halftime show, but the talent, the artist, doesn't take home a paycheck, although they do pay for their travel expenses. Yeah. And let's talk uh, more about um, gold. Yeah, so gold, if you remember, had a tremendous rally. We know that China and other nations have been buying gold for the last three months. Um, we had a $100 fall from above 1950 back down to about 1860 last week after the Fed news, and it hasn't really recovered back above 1900. This is very typical of gold and very annoying if you're trading it, that it has a trend which kind of runs out, fizzles out. There's a bit of a reversal. Is it going to take off again? Will these central banks carry on buying gold like they have done recently? We have to wait and see. So keeping an eye on gold, but it's around the 1860 mark. Um, seems to be some support just below that. So maybe there's fresh buyers going to come in. Thank you so much for watching. Please make sure you subscribe for more episodes to come. We'll see you next week.